it's not any one person's job to figure out what somebody's life is going to look like. I mean, it really is about a team of people. And it, I used to always tell parents, it's not your job to know all of these resources. It's my job. I get paid for that. And I still struggle with it. But I ask for help from lots of people, and I help provide you with the seeds that you need and the support and coordination to make those things happen. But it's not your job to own that. I mean, at some point, your kid hits 18, they hit 19, they hit 20, and they may have disabilities. They may have things that are going to be, we're not going to walk down the beaten path of me enrolling in the military or me going off to college, but it could look very similar to that with a little bit of support. And it's not anyone's job to retain all of the knowledge for how this is going to happen. That was Laura Knoppenberger, Director of Eastern Oregon Support Services Brokerage. This is Josh. And this is Nicole. And you're listening to the Oregon Transition Podcast. Brought to you by the TTAN, the Transition Technical Assistance Network and professionals across the state. We've got you covered from Portland to Ontario, from Hood River to Klamath Falls, from Seaside to Burns, and everywhere in between. Hey there, pod people. Welcome back to Episode 3. Today's episode is all about the TTAN, which is the Transition Technical Assistance Network. Hey, Josh, who's in the TTAN? Nicole, we are. Oh, <laughs> right, we are in the TTAN. Okay. We're part of an amazing group across Oregon from all different agencies. So the TTAN is made up of acronym alert, TNFs, pre-ETS coordinators, YTP technical assistance providers, ODDS regional employment specialists, and VRIDD counselors. Wow, Josh, that's a lot of acronyms. It is. My head's beginning to spin. <laughs> we don't want you to see your head spinning. <laughs> well, don't worry. We're going to go through each acronym and their role. That's right. That's what this podcast is all about today. The TTAN and who's a part of it. So let's begin by talking about why the TTAN started. It was developed in... 2014 and it was a um, deliverable out of the governor's executive order which was 1304 at the time that's now 1501. That was Heather Lindsay, secondary transition liaison to the Oregon Department of Education. I had a chance to interview her and Chris Rita who is the TNF for Clackamas, Wasco, Hood River, Sherman and Gillum about the TTAN. The development of the Technical Assistance Network was to provide more regional support mm -hmm. for our local school districts, for our agency providers, so that could be vocational rehabilitation, developmental disabilities, mm -hmm. even our employment providers, but then also to provide support, training, and technical assistance for our fan, family advocacy programs and even students mm -hmm. and families. Well, it's kind of that whole piece of it being boots on the ground. So each of yeah. us live in our region. So we, as we were hired, we already knew a lot of the people working in transition services, whether it be agency-based or school-based in our regions. And so we're able to, like sometimes I feel like we swoop in and provide support that is really specific to what people need. And every region has a different need and a different way of asking for what they need. The Transition Technical Assistance Network has only been in existence for a few years. We're going to check in on why it started. And as you might remember in our first episode, Michael Salator actually 
brought some of that information up. I would say the Lane v. Brown suit really changed the climate in the state of Oregon um, to, to uh, better position districts to have clear outcomes as our focus. So Josh, can you talk a little more about Lane v. Brown? Lane v. Brown was a class action lawsuit filed in 2012. This lawsuit was filed because individuals experiencing intellectual and developmental disabilities were being placed in sheltered workshops making less than minimum wage. Lane v. Brown changed the way we think about transition. As a result of the lawsuits, individuals experiencing intellectual and developmental disabilities must receive employment in competitive, integrated settings. In other words, anyone who wants to work can work with the right supports. State agencies must provide vocational services that lead to competitive, integrated employment. That's right, Josh, and that's kind of why the TTAN started. It's how state agencies are are getting in there and doing the work to make sure that these individuals have competitive and integrated employment. Let's hear from Keith Ozels, who's the Interim Director of Vocational Rehabilitation. I think that we have seen uh, a greater awareness and, and that goes both with the, the students we're working with, it's something that's empowering them to think about the opportunities for competitive integrated employment that they have in their future, but it's also helping our schools and our VR agencies, our community providers to collaborate and to work better together. Um, I think that there's some, you know, there's some laws that have come around that have motivated that. There's the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. There's also, uh, you know, we've had a couple of, of things like an executive order or a settlement agreement that have come out of this. But really what's happening now is that the people are doing this. It's, it's really about the, the teachers, the VR counselors, the families, the students that are, that are making this happen. So um, I, I have seen a lot of change. So Keith just said a term, and you've actually said the term, I've said the term, you're going to hear it a lot more throughout this podcast today, it's competitive integrated employment. Josh, can you tell our listeners what, what does that mean? That just means you're working a job just like anyone else, and you're making at least minimum wage. Because you're worth it. I love that. Right, and t- so to help someone get that job... That's where the TTAN comes in. And we're starting at even a younger age than, than previously in Oregon history. We're getting in there with high schoolers and saying, what do you want to do? And how do we make this happen? Yeah, you got to plant that seed while they're young. Let's hear with some members of the TTAN. And the first people we're going to talk about are the Transition Network Facilitators, otherwise known as TNFs. And Josh, that is what you do, but we're actually going to hear from some of your coworkers. That's right. Hi, my name is Darcy Shivers. I am the TNF, or Transition Network Facilitator, for Region 4, and I cover Douglas, Coos, and Curry Counties. And my name is Cindy Cameron, and I am the TNF, the Transition Network Facilitator for Region 5, which covers Jackson, Josephine, and Klamath Counties in Oregon. Friend of the Pod, Joy Ward, sat down with Cindy and Darcy to talk to them more about what TNFs do. What is a TNF? So as a Transition Network Facilitator, um, we provide support such as curriculum, for um, schools to review. Um, We provide local resources. We support agency connections, um, collaboration with um, partner agencies. 
We share best practices and provide um, professional development, all based on the needs of the regions we serve. We also provide a lot of um, technical assistance to teams or individuals who are supporting those that have maybe barriers to employment, independent living, and then accessing post-secondary education or training. How many TNFs are there? There are currently eight TNFs around the state of Oregon, and we all cover a variety of different counties in our region. So to find the Transition Network Facilitator in your area, you can go to our TTAN, our TTAN website, which is triwou.org, and search underneath the tab, find your TNF. Um, it will show you a map of Oregon, and you can choose the county that or area that you're in, and um, it will connect you with our local TNF. What is what's the best part of being a TNF? So for me, the best part really is being able to assist um, education staff and service providers in really helping best serve those that need the assistance um, with that transition period. Again, whether it is independent living, um, competitive community integrated employment, or post-secondary education. Thank you, Darcy. So Cindy, what is, what is the best part of being a TNF for you? So I think the thing that I really enjoy is working with schools and our partner agencies or organizations, collaborating, um, supporting them, finding what we can do to braid and blend services and resources that support our youth that might have some barriers towards independent living or employment or training or post-secondary opportunities. So Josh, you're a TNF. Did they get it right? Oh yeah, they got it. That's exactly what we do. Curriculum support, IEP guidance, a lot of connecting schools with uh, providers. So Josh, what, do you, what have you done in your region? My counties are Lynn, Benton, Lincoln, and Lane counties. I've helped organize a few transition family information nights where families come and meet providers. I've given IEP presentations on how to best practice in writing the transition page of the IEP. We're about to have a really big regional job club in at Lynn Benton Community College where schools from Lynn County, Benton County, and Lincoln County are coming to learn about available jobs. So Josh, to me it sounds like TNFs are really the people out there that are supporting the education of the educators about different services that are available and about different ways to really um, support their students in getting competitive integrated employment. Absolutely, absolutely. As a former teacher, hearing about what was going on in other regions from the TNF that I worked with was extraordinarily helpful and helped me plan my classroom. So Nicole, you also have a role in the TTAN. I do, Josh. What is your role? So I am a pre-ETS coordinator, which is pre-employment transition service coordinator. And um, I interviewed one of my favorite people, Tony DePeel, who also is a pre-ETS coordinator, and she works in the Portland metro area. Hi, my name is Tony DePeel, and I work for vocational rehabilitation, and the position that I hold is pre-employment transition service coordinator. Great, and what does the pre-employment transition service coordinator do, Tony? Pre-employment transition service coordinators, or pre-ETS coordinators is what we 
call ourselves, it's easier. I assist students and also teachers in schools uh, with pre-employment transition services, and there's five key areas that we work under. One is work-based learning, self-advocacy is the second one, um, job exploration and counseling, uh, workplace readiness, and there's always the fifth one, post-secondary education and transition services. So we, we work um, and assist students in looking at all those different areas if they want assistance in them. It's a um, service that is a request and uh, we go out and we can meet with students and take a look at what their transition plan is and what their goals are in those uh, different areas and offer services. Could be anything from setting up a job shadow to uh, working on self-advocacy and disclosure statements. So Nicole, did Tony get it right? Of course she got it right, Josh. Tony was really great at talking about the services that we cover and mentioning that we really go in, do the one-on-one services with students, and that it is a request-only service. So we really need people out there, if you think a student needs a Priet, reach out and let us know that you need some help. How many Priets coordinators are there throughout the state? There are um, three main Priets coordinators right now, and we also have three support coordinators that are Priets TNF support personnel. All six of us, we cover the entire state. Oregon's a big state. Is there anyone else that is also delivering Priets? Yeah, Josh, that's a great question. Um, YTP, which is a youth transition program, one of their main focuses is delivering Priets to schools that they serve. And Tony talks about those lines in this next bit. Well, some schools in, uh, actually quite a few schools in Oregon have the Youth Transition Program, YTP, where they have a transition specialist that works in the schools uh, with students. But not all high schools in transition programs have the YTP grant, and so they don't have specialists that work individually or assist teachers with ideas for transition um, curriculum or um, just activities. And so the goal is is that we assist schools that request the help and help them um, with their programs. And we help students individually if they have a request, but we also will help uh, teach a whole class uh, a workshop or we'll just go in and talk with teachers and staff about how they can implement transition activities in the five Priet areas. If I'm a student, how do I know that Priets exist? Josh, that's a great question. Our hope is that by us going out there and, and telling school districts that the service is available, that the information will trickle down to them. It's not um, really feasible for us to connect with every single student that's eligible. That's why we target um, teachers and special education directors, and we make sure that vocational rehabilitation counselors are aware that they can refer students to us. So that's kind of how we're getting the word out about Priets. So if I'm a teacher in a classroom, I should let my students know about the five Priets, how they can request them. That leads me to my next question. How do I request Priets? Right, so if you're a teacher, and you think that your student or your classroom or your program might benefit from Priets, there's a few steps to go through. 
The first thing I would want to say that I always say is that understanding what preets are and what services we provide, it's more of a buffet and less of a menu. So we'll come in and we'll talk to you about what really works for your school and your student, and we're not going to force anything upon you service-wise. We want to make sure that it's a right fit. Um, To request those services, you can contact us directly at pre.ets, so P-R-E dot E-T-S, at dhsoha.state.or.us. And that's how you request. Perfect. And we said before that the Youth Transition Program Specialist is also there to deliver pre-ets. Right, Josh. And the Youth Transition Program Specialists are actually part of the TTAN. Specifically, they're technical assistance providers. We're not going to be talking about them that much this episode because we'll have a whole episode coming up soon that's dedicated to YTP. Uh, Brad Collins. I'm with the Office of Developmental Disability Services as a regional employment specialist um, working for DHS. So, Josh, that's Brad Collins, who is another member of the TTAN. He works for the Office of Developmental Disability Services. And he's in your neck of the woods, right? That's correct. We sit in a lot of Employment First meetings together. (laughs) And friend of the pod, CJ Webb, interviewed Brad about his role. What is your region? Where do you where do you work? What is kind of your area? The area that I cover is from down in Eugene, so Lane County up to Salem and Marion County and everything in between. And so that includes Lynn and Benton County. There are six of us across the state uh, that provide supports and everything doing the same job that I'm doing. Um, what is specifically do you do? As with any of us, you know, capturing what we do for work um, is rather hard. So I'll try and give a nutshell um, synopsis of what we do in our jobs. And so as um, regional employment specialists for the Office of Developmental Disability Services, which to shorten it, referred to as ODDS, um, it's really a position for technical assistance, Um, around employment services, but really what we do is partnerships between the case management entities, which are the um, brokerages and community developmental disability programs, so like the county DD programs, vocational rehabilitation, provider agencies that are doing employment services, Really do a lot of partnerships with the transition network facilitators, which have a lot of connections with the schools and everything. And so it's really trying to pull together um, the local areas that we're working in and say, how are we going to pull off all these employment services? Because between department education, schools, developmental disability services, vocational rehabilitation, we're all on the same page of getting employment services to individuals that experience disabilities and specifically individuals that experience an intellectual uh, or developmental disability. You work with anyone that wants to go towards employment, so not just adults, but also students, correct? And like I'd mentioned, it's specifically focused on individuals that experience an intellectual developmental disability and, you know, getting services related to employment to help them um, get a job out in the community that they want. And so a lot of times when it comes to partnering up with schools, it's not necessarily directly with the students that I'd get to interact with. It's more with the transition specialists or special education teachers. So a lot with the fancy term of technical assistance, a lot of what we get to do is 
pulling the local areas together where you have everybody in the room. So that could be employment providers, vocational rehabilitation counselors, transition specialists, special education teachers, the time special education directors, um, service coordinators, personal agents. And we're all talking about what's our role as it relates to employment. How can we get services structured in a way that makes sense within the school? within vocational rehabilitation, within the developmental disability system, so through the brokerages or the um, CDDPs, and say, we all have similar goals that can line up. So if we're working together early and often, especially with the student that's still connected to schools, then they really see that everybody's pulling in the same direction and talking the same thing. So it's really looking at how do we get everybody on the same page? And what we're finding is, if we're not talking, if we're not getting together regularly as a person's employment team, and this is where it goes down to the individual student levels of getting their individual employment teams to pull together, then maybe we're not being as, a, as effective as what we could be. Having that team is really critical and to, to figuring things out. So if, let's say, a student really um, wanted to do this, how, how would they get that started? I think making the teacher aware, special education teacher, transition specialist, but a lot of times the schools are doing this work with the student, whether it be work experiences out in the community, working on skills within their academic program. And so then a lot of times it's the teacher inviting the service coordinator, personal agent, and vocational rehabilitation counselor to an IEP meeting to explain what the services are that they can offer as it relates to employment. But again, starting early, even, um, you know, before they maybe get into a transition program, start in their high school program, start at age of transition, like 16 years old and connecting up um, at those IEP meetings, but pulling in the outside from school services um, to really see how to make all this flow for a student. So what I'm hearing Brad say is it takes a team. And if a teacher has a student who wants to work, the teacher should pull in all the partners that would support that student. So if the student has an intellectual or developmental disability, the teacher might pull in the student's services coordinator from the county developmental disability program and might enroll a VR counselor from vocational rehabilitation didn't see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh, I think it's important to clarify that even if the teacher does pull the team together, that they really need to make sure that they're getting consent and that the student and family is requesting all of these team members to be there. I think that Brad really talks about how these small local teams all come together to support students. And what's great about that is that it's our larger team that is across the state that's getting involved at this local level. So not only do we have the big picture where we're thinking about what's happening statewide, but we also are very much focused on the local level of how we can support individuals within our specific regions. Exactly. And so I mentioned Employment First meetings before, and Brad and I and a lot of the folks in the TTAN go to Employment First meetings, which are county meetings that involve job developers, teachers, vocational rehabilitation counselors, county developmental disability services coordinators, brokerage personal agents, and other folks that support transition 
to try to communicate, find ways that we can collaborate, help understand each other's policies and roles, and are there to figure out the best way to support students. And Josh, I would say that anybody who's listening that is part of or one of those people that you just mentioned, if you haven't been to an employment first meeting, check one out because you might find connections to resources that you hadn't even thought of. I agree. And Employment First is there to primarily support individuals who experience intellectual and developmental disabilities. However, I feel like the strategies and the collaboration that happens can filter to those individuals that do not experience an intellectual or developmental disability, but still might need support through vocational rehabilitation or the youth transition program. Yeah, we're all in this together. So why not learn as much as we can? Yeah. So we're not in silos. We're not in silos. We're breaking down the silos. Breaking down the walls. Yes, I love it. For our final clip this episode, we wanted to revisit the conversation between Heather Lindsay and Chris Rita about the TTAN. It's been fun to be a part of this group because there's been so much excitement and innovation that's taken place. And I think of like the regional job club or... It's mm-hmm. been fun to see the development of projects and activities. The podcast came from a TTAN group meeting. Mm-hmm. Well, and we started out kind of, like you said, as half-time and then went full-time. But then if we're bridging the gap between schools and agencies, but we also started bridging the gap between us and YTP and us and the PREETS, the Pre-Employment Transition Service Coordinators. And um, it just the collaboration keeps growing and the T10 keeps bringing, um, I don't know, like widening its circle and bringing more people in to provide even more supports to more more right. agencies. Absolutely. It's fun that our small group started with uh, two representatives from ODE and eight part-time individuals. And every time we have a team meeting, our room gets bigger because there's such a need of providing supports for students on the ground. Mm -hmm. And the regional model has really proven to be very successful. So Josh, I think it is important to mention, and we mentioned before, that there are definitely gonna be some key partners of the TTAN that we don't cover today. Um, Like I said before, we're not covering YTP because they have an episode. We're also not covering the vocational rehabilitation counselors, because they'll be covered in our episode that is all about vocational rehabilitation. So keep that in mind that our TTAN is always growing. We're always getting new people and new organizations to join. Um, So this is an ongoing conversation of what services and agencies those are that we'll be covering again and again throughout this podcast. And we're not the only experts out there. You at a local level, know your local area the best, know how you connect and communicate with your providers. And we wanna collaborate with you. We wanna support the work that you're doing with the ultimate goal of having students successfully transition to the world of work. And these concepts and these people that do this work, it's not always an easy thing to understand what all of our roles are. And that's okay too. You know, ask questions. Ask who your provider is. Ask what they do. Re-listen to this episode if you need to, if that helps at all. But just keep the questions coming and that's how we know what you need. 
Thank you for joining us on today's episode. And shout out to all of our pod people who have been supporting us along the road. And we just are so proud and honored to be part of your team. If you are interested in being on the podcast, please contact us. We would love to hear your stories. Talk to you next time. Peace out, pod people. The Oregon Transition Podcast is brought to you by KeyCan, the Transition Technical Assistance Network, including partners with Oregon Department of Education and Vocational Rehabilitation. All views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong to the individuals and do not necessarily reflect our sponsoring agencies. The Oregon Transition Podcast was produced by Nicole Perdue, Josh Barber, Nicole Garcia, Peter Fitzgerald, and the podfather, Lon Thornburg with additional interviews provided by the T-TAN Network. This week's music provided by Boone Richter, transition student out of Brownsville, Oregon. For questions and comments, or just to connect with us, email OregonTransitionPodcast at gmail.com. And for latest OTP updates, like us on Facebook at Oregon Transition Podcast. Please contact us for transition questions, episodes, ideas, and music submissions. Um, trying to teach people skills and get them connected with resources was a lot more difficult prior to the lawsuit occurring. Um, Since the lawsuit, there's a lot more focus on individuals way prior to ever exiting school services. So when you start talking about post-school and employment-related skills and being a contributing member of your community at the age of 14 or 15 and 16, your chances of success are much greater. I I don't think anybody wants to to leave school and um, not have an impact on the community that they live in.